0: The Old Testament lesson for the 10th Sunday after Trinity is from Jeremiah chapter 7. The word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord. Stand in the gate of the Lord's house and proclaim there this word and say, Hear the word of the Lord, all you men of Judah who enter these gates to worship the Lord. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Amend your ways and your deeds, and I will let you dwell in this place. Do not trust in these deceptive words. This is the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord. For if you truly amend your ways and your deeds, if you truly execute justice one with another, if you do not oppress the sojourner, the fatherless, or the widow, or shed innocent blood in this place, and if you do not go after other gods to your own harm, then I will let you dwell in this place, in the land that I gave of old to your fathers forever. Behold, you trust in deceptive words, to no avail. Will you steal, murder, commit adultery, swear falsely, make offerings to Baal, and go after other gods that you have not known, and then come and stand before me in this house, which is called by my name, and say, We are delivered, only to go on doing all those abominations. Has this house, which is called by my name, become a den of robbers in your eyes? Behold, I myself have seen it," declares the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Be to God. The Holy Gospel, according to St. Luke the 19th chapter. When Jesus drew near and saw Jerusalem, he wept over it, saying, "Would that you, even you, had known on this day? the things that make for peace but now they are hidden from your eyes for the days will come upon you when your enemies will set up a barricade around you and surround you and hem you in on every side and tear you down to the ground you and your children within you and they will not leave one stone upon another in you because you did not know the time of your visitation and he entered the temple and began to drive out those who sold saying to them it is written My house shall be a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of robbers. And he was teaching daily in the temple. The chief priests and the scribes and the principal men of the people were seeking to destroy him, but they did not find anything they could do, for all the people were hanging on his words. This is the Gospel of the Lord. There's a Clint Eastwood movie from the early 1990s called Unforgiven, also starring Morgan Freeman and Gene Hackman. Maybe you've, maybe you've seen that movie. It's been 30 years now. It's amazing how long ago the 90s are. <laughs> this movie with Clint Eastwood is about a gunslinger who was a murderer and a villain for most of his life, but has given it up. Clint Eastwood's character has given up his vile ways, and he's raising a family peacefully. But one day, a young, earnest, zealous gunslinger trying to win justice for some oppressed people comes to Clint Eastwood and tries to get him to help him fight one more battle. This young gunslinger, the Schofield Kid, thinks that he's really something. And he thinks that with Clint Eastwood's help, he can bring some justice to the world. You can imagine the kind of story that it is, but there's a crucial moment that bears heavily on our lesson today. A crucial moment when finally the battle takes place, the gun battle takes place, and the Schofield kid kills one of the bad guys. Now, he had talked a big talk the whole time, what a skillful gunslinger he was, how unafraid he was of everything, but when he killed a bad guy, he was broken. He sat there under a tree, weeping. Because it turns out that for all of his talk, he had never actually killed someone before. And Clint Eastwood, who has seen plenty of action, walks up to the Schofield kid and says, to take a man's life is a terrible thing. The Schofield kid is sitting there crying, but as you might imagine, he's trying to find some way to feel better about his situation, and so he says this. He says, I guess he had it coming. Guess the bad guy had it coming. In one of the best lines in all of movie history, I think, Clint Eastwood says, We all got it coming, kid. It's a stunning moment. To think about the nature of justice, the nature of retribution, what happens when we think ourselves better than others, what happens when we don't take stock of our own lives. This is what God is calling for in all of our lessons today, starting with our Old Testament lesson from Jeremiah. You heard his words. The people thought they had peace. They thought they had peace with God because the temple stood and the sacrifices were offered and the priests were there day after day. The temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord, they said, meanwhile, their hearts were far from God. God comes to them and he chastises them. Behold, you trust in deceptive words, to no avail. Will you steal, murder, commit adultery, swear falsely, make offerings to Baal, and go after other gods that you have not known, and then come and stand before me in this house, which is called by my name, and say, we are delivered. That is exactly what they did. They went on living in ungodliness, despising the Lord who had rescued them from slavery and had given them a land of promise they despised him all the way to the day of Jesus. Earlier in the Gospel of Luke, Jesus weeps for Jerusalem, laments over Jerusalem, lamenting the city that had killed the prophets and stoned those who were sent to it. And today, near the end of his ministry, as he's making his way towards the cross, he weeps again. If only. Jerusalem had known the things that make for peace. If only they had known the time of their visitation, but they did not. And his prediction of what will happen to them is harrowing. The days will come upon you when your enemies will set up a barricade around you and surround you and hem you in on every side and tear down your walls to the ground, you and your children within you. Those words were fulfilled. That prediction, that prophecy was fulfilled of Jerusalem not, 30, not 40 years after Jesus died on the cross. In the year 70 A.D., the Romans who had occupied Judea destroyed Jerusalem. They besieged the city and they burned the temple. It happened, the burning of the temple happened on August 10th in the year 70, which is why this Sunday, which falls near August 10th, has this lesson. It's a warning about the destruction of Jerusalem. In fact, in the history of our church, when hymnals were still written in German, many hymnals contained an account of the destruction of the temple that happened in AD 70. The account written by the historian, the Jewish historian, Josephus. And on that Sunday, the tenth Sunday after Trinity, every year they would read that account. It's gruesome. It's vivid and terrible. There were millions of people gathered in the city for the Passover when the Romans besieged it, and you can imagine what happened next. Here's just a little bit of what Josephus describes. At the same time, a countless amount of people died of hunger. The best friends have often carved and stabbed each other over a little bit of bread. The children have often torn the food out of their parents' mouth, father and mother. Neither brother nor sister had mercy on the other. A bushel of corn was worth much gold. Some had cow dung in great hunger. Some ate the straps of saddles. The leather of the shields was gnawed off, and some still had hay in their mouths, and thus were found dead. And that's not the half of it. Imagine, if I were to read the entire account, imagine how terrible that would be to hear. And so Josephus ends his account saying this, thus Jerusalem, the most famous city in all the Orient, had a miserable and pathetic end. Because they did not know the things that made for peace. They did not know the time of their visitation. They rejected their God. They rejected their Savior. They rejected Jesus. They murdered Him. I guess they had it coming. We all have it coming. And this Sunday is a Sunday of repentance. Who here has not... Like the prophet says to the people, who here has not committed any number of sins in our hearts? Look at his list. Stealing, committing murder, committing adultery, swearing falsely, making offerings to other gods, following after idols, chasing the desires of our hearts. Who here has not gossiped, despised God's word, loved money, been filled with lust, chased after temporal, fleeting things? Who here has not been self-righteous, thinking that we are okay, that all is well? Who has not done any number of those things and then come to this place and said, I am delivered? Who here has not gone on despising God's word in spite of his petitions, his pleas with us? Would Jesus come here in this place and weep over you? Would he lament over you? Would he find cause, like he did in the gospel, to drive you out for having turned his house of prayer into a house of robbery? There's not a person here who does not have it coming according to our old sinful nature. There's not a person here who deserves any better than them. And so hear these words carefully. These words of Jeremiah from the Lord amend your ways. Amend your ways and your deeds. Take stock and repent. Know the things that make for peace. Know the time of your visitation. Turn away from whatever sin it is that is in your lives. Turn away from it. Don't hold on to it. Don't cling to it. Reject it. Despise it. It's from the devil. It is only death for you, death and hell for you. Turn away from your sin and put your trust in God. Because He does not want sinners to perish. The terror of the story of the destruction of Jerusalem is meant to bring us to our knees, and it should. It should. Just as every other story in the Bible of God's wrath poured out on sinners is meant to serve as an example for us so that we might not desire evil as they did. But the point is not to leave us on our knees in terror. The point is so that we can be drawn to God for his peace. For he does not want you to perish. He does not want sinners to perish. Consider his zeal for Jerusalem. Look at how he acts as he draws near to Jerusalem. He weeps over that city. He doesn't raise his fist in anger and spite. He doesn't hurl insults. He doesn't make accusations. He weeps because he longs for her salvation just as he longs for yours. Just as he would weep over a friend, Lazarus, who was laying in the tomb for four days, whom he wanted desperately to raise from the dead. Consider his zeal for Jerusalem as he rides into her midst, the place that he and everyone else knows means death for him. He rides in knowing that they will shout, Crucify him, crucify him. Why does he do that? Because he loves those sinners, because he loves those people, because he wants to give them the things that make for peace. See how he lives out all of the parables that he told, the stories about God's grace, about the Son who is sent to win the salvation of those who are lost, about the shepherd who chases after one sheep, who rejoices over the repentance of one sinner. See how even after he has acknowledged that there is no hope for Jerusalem, they have neglected the time of their visitation. They've neglected the things that make for peace. Even then, he goes into the temple and he drives out the money changers. Why? So that somebody, anybody, might have the gospel. So that those who are obscuring the gospel, those who are getting in the way of peace, would be gone. So that someone might hear and believe. That anyone would hear and receive his forgiveness. He drives out the money changers, even after all appears to be lost, because sinners perish apart from him. He is their only hope. And notice this hopeful thing the very end of our lesson, even as he has wept over Jerusalem, even as he has prepared the temple for its destruction, there were some, many in fact, who were hanging on his words. Consider his zeal for you. How he has wept over you. How he has wept over your sins, not in spite, not in malice, but because he knows they are death to you. How he has wept over you in your lost condition and ridden into your midst to bring you salvation and peace. Consider how he has taught you and how he has shown you mercy and how he continues to do so day after day, week after week, never sparing anything. His mercies which are new every morning. Consider his great love for you. How he has disciplined you. How he has led you through suffering and trials and afflictions to strengthen you. In faith, to bring you low so that he can exalt you. Consider how much he loves you. How he has given you the things that make for peace in abundance. His own blood poured out for you, which covers all of your sins. His blood, which was spilt as he endured God's wrath on your behalf. That is what makes for peace. And that is what he wants to give you beyond measure. Now... Now is the time of your visitation. You have heard his gospel. Repent and believe. Hang on to his every word. Do not let them go. In spite of what the world might say, in spite of what your own flesh might say, in spite of what your friends and neighbors or the devil himself might say to you, hang on to his words. Do not let them go. They are your life and your salvation. They are peace. They are the gospel. They are the one bit of good news that makes everything well. That is the reason why you can come into this place in confidence. Not despairing, in spite of what is in your flesh. Not afraid, in spite of what you have done. Because here, you do receive peace. Leave your sin behind and receive peace. If you are unmoved by the story of Jerusalem's destruction, if you're unmoved by the threat of punishment over sin, if you think, well, they had it coming, but not me, if you do not fear God's wrath, then pray that God would soften your heart. If you're not moved by that, then be moved at least by this, by the tears of Jesus, who longs for your salvation with every ounce of his being who shows his grief over your sin, his desire to save you by his own suffering and death. Be moved by that. Hold fast to that. See how well he knew your miserable condition. See how much he was willing to suffer for your sake, how he has given you these precious unfailing words of promise, how he has washed you clean and given you a good conscience so that you can stand in his presence and draw near to his throne of grace and live. How he has given you to eat and drink his body and blood for the forgiveness of sins. Repent and believe. Call on the name of the Lord, and he will hear your voice. He will redeem your soul in safety. Rest safe and secure in his grace. To God alone be all glory now and forever. Amen.